Welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Bible Study. For broadcast times in your area of these studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now it's time to begin our Sunday study with your speaker, Chris McCann. Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Afternoon Bible Study. Today is study number 6 of Daniel chapter 2. And we're going to begin reading in Daniel 2, verse 26. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen, and the interpretation thereof? Daniel answered in the presence of the king, and said, The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers, Show unto the king. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets, and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days, thy dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. As we've already seen, Daniel and his friends approached the Lord, besought the Lord in prayer, requesting wisdom, requesting knowledge and understanding of the king's dream and the king's matter and and the interpretation of it. And God did reveal it to Daniel and, and his three friends. And, and, and then Daniel went to the captain of the guard, of the Babylonian guard, Arioch, and told him they could reveal the dream, and interpret it. So at this point, the king is speaking to Daniel, and he says in verse 26, in the middle of the verse, Art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen, and the interpretation thereof? And, you know, these two words, make known or known, and interpretation, keep appearing in this chapter. We mentioned, or I mentioned last time in a last study, that the word interpretation is found 13 times. And uh, by my count, the word known is found 12 times. So if if it appears, or if it seems to you that we're talking about the same thing, um over and over in these studies in Daniel 2, well, there's good reason, because God keeps bringing up the same point again and again. He He's the one bringing up the word interpretation, the word make known, and, and so if the Lord's continually bringing these words up, well, we don't skip over them, but we we look at it again in the next verse and the next verse because God will typically say it um, in another context, slightly different way, and and so we uh, will learn something that we didn't learn the last time He used the word. Well, here as Nebuchadnezzar historically is confirming with Daniel that. You you do know this. You are able to tell me the dream and its interpretation. 
Then Daniel responds in verse 27, Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded, cannot the wise, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers, show unto the king. So he recounts, and this was the situation, there were none in the kingdom of Babylon, and these men, the wise, the soothsayers, and magicians, and so forth, they're, they're the wisest. They're the most knowledgeable. If anyone would know the information that the king desired to know, they would know it. And yet, they told the king that, no, we, we don't know. We can't know. Who can know a man's dream except for the gods? That's what they had said to the king. And they're correct. And, of course, God in heaven, the God, Elohim, which is a plural word, gods, but when used of God himself, should be translated in the singular. And and that's where they're incorrect. Who knows what they have in mind with that statement. But it's the fact, the truth is only God above. God in heaven could know. The king's matter. And that's the person that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went to. And Daniel tells the king that in verse 28. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. And we see with this statement the the difference, the huge difference between Daniel and and the three other young Hebrew men and all of the wise of Babylon, all of the men of renown of that kingdom. The the huge difference is the the wise, the astrologers, magicians, soothsayers and, and so forth know that they could not have any knowledge regarding the king's dream and therefore could not provide any interpretation of any kind. And and so they they told the king only the gods can know this information. Well, uh, Daniel likewise understood he could not know personally and no man could know what the king had dreamed and that only God above would know that information. So where's the difference? They both understood that that only God, or as they said, the gods, could know. Well, why then did not the wise and the astrologers and soothsayers, etc., approach their God and beseech him? Why did they not ask and and make request that he would give them knowledge concerning the king's matter and that's what daniel did that's what daniel and and the three hebrews did why didn't they because they they do not understand they they uh have 
a profession of a god. They give lip service to the idea of a god. But really, they, they have no god because they do not serve or worship the true god of the Bible that has eyes that can see and ears that can hear and is living. Their god is a, a, a god of stone or wood decked with gold and silver. It's a god that does not communicate. It's a god that does not reveal things because it, their god has no life and is no god. And, and so they don't waste their time. They, they don't even attempt to uh, present their request and make supplication before a god of stone, a, a god that really doesn't know and cannot know anything about their matter, and therefore, of course, it cannot reveal it. But there's the big difference. Daniel knows the true God. And so uh, it's the first thing he says to the king in verse 28. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets. You know, I, I think that this is really touching on uh, an important distinction between elect true believers and professed believers that call themselves Christian today. Because there is such conviction, such assurance, and, and such, um, Absolute declarations by professed Christians, that is, they call themselves Christians, that you cannot know the day or hour. You cannot know. They're completely convinced of that. And yet, the Bible, where, where God has given us His Word, where the Lord speaks, and reveals himself, contradicts that idea. And in the Bible, God, uh, and, and we'll look at a couple of verses later, makes known. God makes known. He reveals, as it says here, secrets, and maketh known to the king in this case, but he makes known to his people. And uh, the the Bible is full of information, full of historical record that demonstrates, it shows how God deals with the matter of giving his people advance information regarding approaching judgments. And we can look at the flood in Genesis where God came to Noah 120 years in advance and then in the year of the flood, he came to him seven days in advance and told him the very day the flood would begin. Or God came uh, to Abram before, or Abraham at that time, before destroying Sodom and said, shall I hide from Abraham the thing that I'm about to do? And he, he let him know of his intent to destroy the city of Sodom and the other cities of the plain. 
And then God went to Lot, who was living in the city Sodom, and made himself known and revealed the secret of what he was about to do concerning the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. That's how Lot was able to flee the city with with his wife and, and two daughters and so forth. And we can find other instances and occasions throughout the Bible where God reveals and and makes known secret things to his people. And to the child of God, when we come to this whole question about knowing the time and the season and, and knowing um, time or uh, relationship or dates in reference to the end of the world, the true believer just simply looks to the Bible and we understand, well, it's not in us. It's not, it's, it's not in man. It's not as though we have a crystal ball or that, uh, we have any wisdom in ourself, but we know God knows and God is a God who is in heaven. That is, he is a, is living. He is present above. He knows everything that's happening on the earth. And God is able, and more than able, he has showed that this is his character. It's what he does, that he reveals things to his people before they occur. And and he opens their understanding, and he grants them knowledge. And and so the true believer looks first at the biblical statements, and we see throughout the Bible, God encourages, and God um, gives much information. Uh, For instance, I'll just look at one verse in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 2, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness." Well, there it is. Christ comes as a thief, but not for you. Children, the elect, ye are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. He will not come as a thief for his people because he will open the scriptures, reveal time and judgment to to their understanding and they will have foreknowledge. And, and so you see, the, the child of God will not, uh, bow the knee to the pressure applied upon them by the church and by the world and by the unsaved all around them who, who basically demand you must admit like we admit that you cannot know. You must 
fall into line and agree with us that you cannot know. And, and you see, the child of God cannot do that. We cannot deny God. We cannot deny there is a God in heaven. And he's not just a God that is distant and removed and, and separated from man, but he's a God that communicates with mankind. Yes, I know he communicated with Daniel in a special way because the Bible had not yet been completed and, and God did break the barrier of the supernatural all um, throughout the period while the Bible was being compiled. Yet God, just the same, communicates with his people today through the written revelation of his communication, which is the word of God, the Bible. And, and there's no difference, except it's not active in the sense that God is, is giving fresh revelation. No, the Bible's been around for over 2,000 years in its completed form, yet it comes forth from the mouth of God. God has testified that he's hidden information within it, it's spiritual information that's hidden and concealed, and God also testified that he sealed it up until the time of the end. And so when it, when the true elect believer sees all these things, we, we see the biblical statements, uh, um, uh, Daniel 12, uh, seal off the word until the time of the end, then we we uh, know God's character, uh, that it's according to his nature to reveal these things to his people, and that God has that ability, that that he is uh, ever-present and, and knowledgeable, and he can communicate truth through the Holy Spirit as he's laid down the methodology in the Bible of comparing Scripture with Scripture and the Holy Ghost teaches to his people that are alive on the earth. God can and has done that, and and therefore the, the true believers look to him for um, guidance and insight and understanding in all matters, including matters of time and judgment. And it would be a denial of the the uh, character, the ability, and the word of God itself for an elect believer to say, "Well, no, no, we we can't know anything. We we cannot receive from the the mouth of God, from from the will of God. Uh, we cannot receive." This type of information or this kind of information. You see, then we're, we're saying that God is the God of, uh, is similar to the God of the unsaved. Or he's, he's similar to an idol that has no eyes to see and no ears to hear and must be born and carried about, um, because he has no ability to move. And, you know, that's, uh, I think, deep down the real reason 
the true reason the church is, is so absolute in saying you cannot know the day or hour is because they cannot know themselves. It's beyond them because they don't have a God to reveal it to them. They have an idol. They have a false God of their own making as they've carved him with their own doctrines. And their God is not a God that possesses such ability. And, and therefore, they assume that the true and living God of the Bible, which they, uh, who is someone they do not know, they, they assume that their carved image, again, that, that their theologians and, and their churches have, uh, etched in stone and carved in wood, they assume that their ignorant idol God is the elect's ignorant idol God. And therein is that huge difference. And, and so, a true believer, a true child of God will not make such a dishonoring statement and, and say, well, our God cannot reveal to us the, these things concerning the end. No, even though the Bible indicates that he will, that even though the Bible tells us that, no, we, we will, um, say that our God is like your God. And, and no, never, never, because it's not true that the God of the Bible is a living God, as it says in Daniel 2.28. But there is, there is, he's the ever existent one, the great I am. He is from everlasting to everlasting, and he always is. There is a God in heaven. Now, remember the Lord's Prayer includes this statement in Matthew 6, in verse 9. After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven. It, it, you see, it's a, it's a declaration. It, it's, it's really a recognition. Our God exists. Our God is. And maybe you and I do not see Him on the earth today. No, we, we cannot see Him with our physical eyes. God is spirit. Yet, that does not mean that He is not uh, alive, that, that he is not, um, uh, viewing and, and seeing and, and he is not watching out for his people as they live presently at this time on the earth. God is in heaven. It's a different location than the earth. Uh, it, it's a different realm. Because heaven is not the physical heaven above, not the sky, and it's not space, but it's the third heaven. It's a spiritual place wherein God dwells, and he does dwell there. 
He is there. If you're wondering where God is, God is in heaven. There is a God in heaven. And, and, and so, man, of course, who lives upon the earth, sinful man, rebellious man, conducts himself, behaves, he acts as if there's not a God in heaven watching him, aware of him, judging him through his word, but that doesn't change the fact that there is a God in heaven. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 39, Know therefore this day and consider it in thine heart that Jehovah, he is God in heaven above and upon the earth beneath There is none else. Of course, God is ever-present. He's or omnipresent. He's everywhere. And even if God tests us and, and leaves us, in a sense, to try and test, he's still there. We know God never leaves nor forsakes his people. He's within his children. That's what the Bible tells us. We have the Spirit of God dwelling in us mysteriously. And, and, and so, yes, God is in heaven and upon the earth beneath. And of course, there is no other. Well, there, there's not only a God distant from us in heaven who exists. Many acknowledge that, but again, man views God, and um, this has even been given expression with um, a theological idea that God is like a clockmaker who created the world and the universe uh, like like a clockmaker, creates a clock, and he winds it up, and then he lets it run. He He removes himself from it, and he just watches it run, completely detached, uninvolved. No, that is not the God of the Bible. God is very active and has been very active in the world, in in orchestrating events, in, in um, bringing to pass the fulfillment of his promises, in the sending forth of the gospel to accomplish his spiritual purposes of the salvation of his people. Now he's very active judging as the judgment process has gotten underway. God is a hands-on God. He, he is very much involved and, and very much in tune with what is taking place in the world on a daily basis. He, he is not a remote separated, distant God, and and that also um, presents the idea of a God who's uncaring and and unfeeling and and not really uh, all that concerned with what's taking place on the earth and and with the individual people. No, that again, these these ideas are out of the minds of man. God is in heaven, but he he operates on the earth. He works on the earth. His word is found on the earth. 
God is so involved that he very personally moved prophets of old, holy men of old, and and gave them divine communication. He revealed himself to them so that they could record it in a book, and the Bible could be the record of his revelation, his communication to mankind, an intimate communication that reveals deep things, intimate things, just, uh, you know, how the Bible says, who can know a man except the spirit of man within himself? Likewise, who can know the word of God, the Bible, except the spirit of God? And men reveal themselves to others. They, they tell people other things. Their, their own spirit knows themselves best and, and they share with others, revealing themselves. That's intimacy, depending on the level and degree it's done. God's spirit has revealed himself on the pages of the Bible so that God has revealed himself to all mankind in general in in that superficial sense. Anyone who wants to know some things about God can read the Bible. Even if you're unsaved, you can read God created the heavens and the earth. You can read that he sent the Lord Jesus Christ, his son, to be the Savior and so forth. But, of course, God reserves true intimacy with those people that he has saved, predestinated to salvation, worked out their salvation before the foundation of the world. To them, he reveals himself in in a much more personal and intimate way. He reveals the deep things of God, the hidden things, just like um, anyone, just like anyone when when we have casual friends, acquaintances at work, people, you, a stranger you might meet, you reserve what you reveal about yourself normally, and and you you, you talk about um, general things, topical things. But for family, they know much more about you. They're they're um, loved, and 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 so. Many more things are shared with family. Well, it, it works the same way with God's revealing of spiritual truth. He reveals intimacies, and the more we learn about the Bible, the more we learn about God himself, he reveals these things to his people. And he does not reveal them to those that are not his people. That That's the nature of God. It it says in Matthew 16, beginning in verse 15, He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And and here we see again, God in heaven is revealing. In this case, he's revealing the truth 
to Peter that Jesus is the Messiah, the long-promised Messiah, that Christ is the one. And, and that is a fact. It's, it's a truth. And when any spiritual truth is revealed to the people of God, God is the one himself that has done the revealing. He has made it known to the elect that this is the case, that, that this is what the Bible teaches. All spiritual truth must be revealed from the Father, must come down from the Father of lights. It says in Matthew chapter 11, Matthew 11, beginning in verse 25, At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and as and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. And within this statement we we read, no man knoweth. No man knoweth. It, it's the exact same wording as found in Matthew 24 and Mark 13 and other places of that day and hour. Uh, knoweth no man. And, and, and here, though, God adds a bit of information. Because can you imagine if it said, all things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father, Neither knoweth any man the Father, save the Son. And it stopped there. What what if God ended that scripture verse right there, the, the place where I just stopped reading, and we would have the statement, No man knoweth the Son, neither knoweth any man the Father. No man knows. No man knows the Son, no man knows the Father. Well, then, that that would be awful. That would be awful because to know God is eternal life, and and if no man knows the Son or the Father, you you there there be no salvation. There would be no one who received eternal life. No one would be saved in any way. And and yet God completed the thought. He filled in the rest of the sentence, or or he made sure to add. The, the following information, uh, neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Now, the thing is with the statements of that day and hour, knoweth no man, God did not complete the thought. He did not add this bit of information because he wanted to hide these things. He wanted to hide the truth that, yes, he could reveal time and judgment to his people, just like he reveals other um, doctrine, and and he would do it at the proper time. But because the Lord did not want the church for almost 2,000 years to be looking into these matters, he did not add on 
that particular part of the statement that would give more insight and proper understanding. As it says in 1 Corinthians 2, beginning in verse 11, For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Here it's called the things of God, and and that identifies with all the Bible. The things of God knoweth no man. Again, the same wording. You, you and I and, and other men, all men cannot know the things of God. No man can know the things of God, but the Spirit of God. And, and here also the Lord could have left it, just left that statement there, and all kinds of people would would come up with um, conclusions. Well, you cannot know anything about God and the things of God in any way be, because he said so. Well, notice the next verse in verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. God gives his spirit to his people, and, and, and he reveals truth that they might know the things freely given to us of God. Remember the secret things in, in Deuteronomy 29 and verse 29. I'll read it again. The secret things belong unto Jehovah our God. That's the things of God. Basically all spiritual truth falls into the category of secret things. The secret things belong unto Jehovah our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. God reveals secret things to his people and it, it's things like the information, the proper correct information regarding the doctrine of hell. It's things such as uh, opening the eyes of understanding to his people that Christ is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world that payment for sin was made at that point. It's things such as uh, revealing the loosing of Satan and and who um, uh, who the Antichrist is. It, it was unknown until relatively recently, just a few decades ago, that Satan is the Antichrist and and that he will be loosed. It's revealing the information that he would enter into the churches as the man of sin, that he's the abomination of desolation, and and so forth. And it's revealing the end of the church age, the command to flee the churches and congregations of the world. And, and these things relate to times and seasons in God's program. You, you cannot know the truth concerning the loosing of Satan, and his entry into the church and and so forth 
unless you know when, when it's going to happen. And, and so God also opened up a biblical calendar of history in which he shows the timeline that we, we have the timeline for Old Testament Israel, the timeline for the lifespan of the Lord Jesus Christ, including his three and a half year ministry, the timeline for the church age, the timeline for the great tribulation, the time when judgment began on the earth, and we expect God will complete it by revealing the overall timeline for the day of judgment. And yes, these uh, are all secret things, hidden things, concealed things, but it's according to God's character to reveal the hidden truths of the Bible, to reveal himself to his people, to reveal the things of God to them, so that they are um, obtaining knowledge and information. And uh, I'm sure we've looked at this verse before, but let's go to Amos chapter 3 and verse 7 says, Surely the Lord Jehovah will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants the prophets. And, you know, uh, if we look at this verse superficially, we, we would say, well, yes, God in the Old Testament, he did reveal his secret to prophets like Isaiah and, and Jeremiah and, and Ezekiel and, and so forth. And Daniel was a prophet. And, and that's a fact. They would agree because that's, um, something historical, uh, something natural and, the unsaved within the corporate body can comprehend and understand natural things. And, and so they would agree this verse indicates and is showing that God has worked in times of old in revealing things to prophets. Prophets, and, and by that they would mean the official office of prophet. And yet, because they lack the understanding that the whole Bible is a parable, they would not realize that the Lord identifies his saved people as prophets, priests, and kings. That, that each child of God is as a prophet before God because God reveals truth to all of his people, and even though the Bible's completed, it still requires God to open up understanding, as we saw in the case of Peter in Matthew 16, that God had to reveal that Jesus was the Messiah, and God has done that with the Word of God, the Bible. He's revealed truth to all of those that he saved, to varying degrees, and therefore, as God revealed revelation to prophets of old, it, it's uh, working the same way as he reveals divine recorded or written revelation to his elect. 
they're still fulfilling the role of a prophet of receiving divine revelation. Only in our case, it's understanding of divine revelation already written down on the pages of the Bible. And prophets, after receiving divine revelation, then foretell or declare the things that God has said. And and that also is the task of each child of God as we perform the spiritual role of prophet in our lives when we share the things of the Bible, the, the secret things that God has graciously and kindly opened up to our understanding, we, we then turn around and share with others. And, and that is part of our occupation, our spiritual occupation as a child of God living in this world. Well, okay, let, let's go back to Daniel, Daniel chapter 2. And verse 28. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. God reveals secrets and makes known what will be in the latter days. And the, the, um, word latter uh, as it's used with days, is found in Deuteronomy 31 and verse 29 that says, For I know that after my death you will utterly corrupt yourselves and turn aside from the way which I have commanded you, and evil will befall you in the latter days. Now what what Moses is saying here was true of Israel of old. After he died, they did corrupt themselves and turn aside. But it's also true spiritually of the churches and congregations. Remember, the two witnesses were lying dead in the street in Revelation chapter 11. And the two witnesses are typified by Moses and Elijah. Moses, because he represents the law, and Elijah, the prophets. And and so as Moses declared, that I know that after my death, ye will utterly corrupt yourselves, and turn aside from the way which I commanded you. See, he, he represents the law, so he commands. And that's exactly what did happen once the two witnesses were slain, or, or when they died, then the, the church, the corporate body, um, turned corrupt and went aside. They, they no longer followed the way of God. And again, that happened at the end of the church age, and we know the date, May 21, 1988, the 13,000th year of Earth's history, and that would fit with the the evil that would befall them in the latter days. So the phrase latter days has application to the beginning of the Great Tribulation period. Now this uh, is confirmed in Ezekiel chapter 38. Ezekiel 38 
beginning in verse 14. Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say unto Gog, Thus saith the Lord Jehovah, In that day, when my people of Israel dwelleth safely, shalt thou not know it? And thou shalt come from thy place, out of the north parts, thou and many people with thee, all of them, riding upon horses, a great company, and a mighty army. And thou shalt come up against my people of Israel, as a cloud to cover the land. It shall be in the latter days, and I will bring thee against my land, that the heathen may know me, when I shall be sanctified in thee, O Gog, before their eyes. We can know that uh, the reference to Gog and Magog in the latter days ties in with the Great Tribulation because it's brought up in Revelation 20, beginning in verse 7, And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And uh, again, the loosing of Satan is simultaneous with the end of the church age and the beginning of the Great Tribulation. And that is tied in with Gog and Magog coming after the camp of the saints or Israel, as it says in, as it said in Ezekiel 38. So again, the Great Tribulation it is connected to that phrase, the latter days. And uh, we'll just look at one more place in Daniel chapter 10, verse 14 says, Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. And uh, once again, we see that um, God is speaking of making to understand or making known what will happen in the latter days, just as he's he's doing in Daniel chapter 2. As Daniel was was granted understanding of the dream and and the interpretation of it, God is indicating he will bring to understanding certain truths that have been hidden, sealed up until the time of the end. And the time of the end agrees with the latter days. And, and then he makes known. It's why I, I believe that the word interpretation is found 13 times in Daniel chapter 2. Because the time of the end or the latter days began in the year 1988, the 13,000th year of Earth's history. It's why uh, in Nehemiah, in in chapter 8, 13 men, and, and I mentioned this before, but I want to take a look at it now. In Nehemiah, chapter 8, 13 men are named in verse 7. Also, Joshua, and, and uh, you know, it's a good idea, get a pen and and mark each name, and you'll see, you'll be able to count the number. Also, Joshua and Bani, and Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, 
Shebabathai, Hadijah, Maasiah, Kalita, Azariah, Jazabad, Hanan, Pelaiah, and the Levites caused the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. So they read in the book, in the law of God distinctly, and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. Is it a coincidence and, and in Nehemiah 8, God speaks of the last day, that they were observing the Feast of Tabernacles from the first day to the last day, and that phrase identifies with the last day of, of the world, the, the Feast of Tabernacles with, with the end of the world, and, and the number 13 comes to view, 13 men caused the people to understand, they gave the sense of the reading of the Bible. Is it coincidental? Thirteen times God mentions interpretation. Or what about in, in Genesis when Jacob enters into Egypt and goes before Pharaoh and tells him that when Pharaoh asks his age that he's 130 years old and at that same time Joseph was 39 and both numbers are uh, very much connected with the number 13. 130 is 10 times 13. 39 is 3 times 13. And it's at a time when Joseph made himself known to his brethren. It says in Genesis 45 or Genesis 46. And he had been hidden. Joseph had concealed himself, who's a type of Christ, the Word, and they didn't recognize him, he made himself known to his brethren and he revealed the timeline for the famine. He said that there's already been two years of famine and there'll be five years more. So he let them know the beginning was two years earlier and that was a dividing point. Because now he was revealing himself and, and, and he told them the, the end year, the seven year famine would conclude in the year 1872 BC. So, so dates were given, a timeline was given. As Joseph made himself known to his brethren at the age of 39, three times 13, then Jacob heard Joseph was alive that Joseph had revealed himself and he packed up his house and his family and they all went into Egypt and then Pharaoh asked him his age, I'm 130, 10 times 13, 10 pointing to completeness and 13 to the end of the world, to the time of the latter days, the time when God would reveal these things to his people in a similar way that that Joseph revealed himself to his brethren. Well, um, we, we can see the Bible places a strong emphasis upon God revealing himself. And, and yes, the whole Bible is a record of his revelation, which means revealing of himself. And, and yet, the Bible places a special emphasis 
upon God revealing himself um, even in a in a greater way at the time of the end. Remember in Daniel 12, it says in verse 4, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. And how can knowledge be increased? What's the only way that knowledge can be increased? Well, uh, no man can know anything uh, of the things of God except the Father, the Spirit of God, reveal them. And, and so God announced his intention to reveal, to make known secret things, the, the things that have been hidden in the Bible for thousands of years. But he would make them known to the prophets. He will do nothing, in fact, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets, the elect body of believers. They are the recipients of the revelation. God opens their understanding like Jesus opened the understanding of the disciples on the road to Emmaus so that they might understand the scriptures. And he has done the same with his people at this time. The people of God have been blessed with information that has first saved us from the horrible death of remaining in the churches and congregations and being bundled as a tear for the burning, and all the other information as God reveals truth has been nothing but a blessing, a wonderful blessing from God. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship Sunday Bible Study. For more information or to hear additional Bible studies, be sure to visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com.